0: And welcome back uh, to another episode of Civil Discord. Um, I'm one of your awesome, lovely, great hosts, Maurice Jones. And with me is the better part of the show, the better host, the more knowledgeable one. We all, we, we, we have this saying, she definitely is the one who knows just about everything there is to know about everything. <laughs> Miss Amanda. Amanda, how are you doing?
1: I, I'm well about almost everything except for the important things that are actual life skills, but yes, doing, doing well.
0: How about yourself? Doing well, doing well. Uh, we, we were talking just, just pre-show about some, some lovely dilemmas that that are good problems to have, but they're still problems. Like a good problem, a bad problem is always a problem whatnot. Not just dealing with dealing with a week. And, you know, I did some more housework, I broke a window um, that I'm having to learn how to, how to repaint and, Which is interesting. Like, I didn't know how easy it was to buy a glass cutter and to cut glass. Like, I thought it was this big, huge process. And no, it's a $5 piece of equipment that you buy from Lowe's and it cuts glass for you. It was quite surprising.
1: Wait, you broke a window. So that means you created jobs, right?
0: Yes, I did. I created jobs, created my own job that I'm not getting paid for, created labor. Shout out
1: to (laughs) whoever got that reference. We love you dearly.
0: Exactly. Exactly. You broke something. So now you got to fix it. There we go. That's, that's pretty much how people work. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is. So, um, but, but again, welcome back guys. We are so happy to have you guys here. Um, we have some great news. We are finally, finally, after three to four weeks of dealing with Apple podcasts. We are finally on Apple Podcasts, and I, I assure you, if you're listening to this episode, you may be, you may, you may be like, "Yeah, I listened to the first six episodes on Apple Podcasts. Like, what are you guys talking about?" But no, it's because those all came out at once on Apple, and the rest of them were available three, four, five weeks prior. So, could um, have been
1: on another platform listening to our dulcet tones. <laughs>
0: exactly. Please exactly. <laughs> so we're finally there. Um, if any of you guys out there are starting the podcast, and you need some help getting on Apple, I'm now an expert at that. <laughs> so whatever it takes, I can help you with that. We can walk through that process. It's pretty easy. The key is don't listen to whatever they tell you and just start from scratch each and every time. Cause yeah. that helps. That absolutely helps.
1: Again, marketable life skills here. So you're the one <laughs> with the actual production savviness. Exactly. Okay. I'll yeah. cite economics in one lesson. <laughs>
0: Sounds good. Well, speaking of breaking things to create jobs <laughs> and so forth, as governments tend to do, um, our our very first um, country, so I've heard, is actually making Bitcoin a legal form of tender, which is, I don't know if it's surprising to me, um, it's more, I, I just I, I, I'm just excited for the the ability for countries to actually do this and i think i think it's a great idea um for many reasons um one of which is i mean decentralized money which hopefully it stays that way and it's hard to centralize it but hopefully it stays as decentralized as it can be because of because of how it's produced and whatnot um but if as soon as and for tax purposes this is even better um from from the way the the u.s and their their how they tax their, their income and their gains on certain things. Like, nah, this is currency, man. Like, this is completely different, completely different when when you're trading and stuff like that. So I'm excited. So El Salvador is the first country, right? I want to say, I haven't heard anything about any other countries.
1: That's the, that's the interesting thing is El Salvador was the first to announce, however, there are a lot of uh, Central American and South American countries that are following suit. It's, it's very interesting. You really have these Latin American countries that are getting on board all of a sudden. And I think that's, that's intriguing to me. I'm not mm. sure if it's just because of location and proximity or if there's something else there. It's very, very interesting.
0: That is that is curious. I uh, I was as I, as I was kind of going through the article and just reading out, I, I was thinking, like, why Central America? And, and of course, they're not like your big countries that, that are doing this. They're very like lesser developed nations that are doing this. Now, my my rationale is, look, I mean, if if, if they can get people to come to, to come in here and develop something to where they want to increase their their gdp or whatever they want to do for their economy then this is definitely one way to get that done um because if, if i'm a company and i want to pay somebody in bitcoin as opposed to u.s dollars because of because i'm an ancap or i'm a libertarian and, and i think along those lines like then then by all means like it is now it is now a bigger proponent of the pie for is, is an, mm-hmm. for, the, for them to actually do those things you know
1: What's interesting to me too, and, and I, think, I think you might have landed on something that maybe it's important that these are not global powers, right? I, I feel like global powers have a lot more to lose with regard to adopting a decentralized currency, one that can't be inflated, because when you think about our international ecosystem, the power dynamics they're in are entirely, they're debt-based. They, are, they, they run on a debt-based economy and they run on inflation and deflation and artificial currency, you know, valuation and debasement. Um, it is very, very dangerous for a country, for a major country that has become very powerful in a debt-based international ecosystem, to suddenly say, "Okay, we're not going to do a debt-based system anymore," because you really can't do uh, you can't do debt uh, debt denomination with Bitcoin. It doesn't work. And we're assuming, as we're discussing this, I'm aware that listeners know enough about Bitcoin to follow this discussion. And I'm not going to explain all about Bitcoin because I'm the worst person to do that. Um, But suffice it to say that um, it is essentially impossible to centralize Bitcoin and most other decentralized financial assets even if you're going into something like proof of stake, that doesn't really allow you to change the value of a Mm -hmm. currency. What it, you know, what it allows you to do is you add blocks to a blockchain. If we're talking about staking ETH, for example, Um, that doesn't let you change the value of something that doesn't really let you change the way that something is encoded and embedded. And especially with something like Bitcoin, which only understands a very, very small, narrow set of commands. Uh, you really can't get it to do something that it is not meant to do right this is a very that this is a safeguard against not just monetary debasement but against centralization and uh financial mission creep in general right.
0: definitely and 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 one one of the things that that to add on to that is is it even this creates a more of, of an incentive for us to figure out more us to figure out us as humans people the intelligent ones not me personally because i don't know half of how to do all of these things but to um it creates an incentive for them to actually go somewhere and -hmm. figure out how this works in society and what works what doesn't how 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 you can grow this like it's 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 almost like the the idea of until something is available you don't know how it works and once once you start getting there you can make tweaks here and there hey this plan works this plan didn't i mean it's it's kind of like how countries operate like that's that's how the u.s started before we had the constitution we had the articles of confederation and the founding fathers thought that wasn't a great document i on the other hand probably think otherwise but (laughs) but that that is what drives innovation. The fact that you can say, "Okay, this doesn't work here," it um, this works here, and then you can say, to the point of, of this isn't a big th- this isn't a big powerhouse country that's doing this. That's another great thing. There, there's not a whole lot of risk that these that these countries are taking in in doing this because we can't say like, "Oh, if the U.S. were were, were to do this and it were to fail, it would look." abysmal to the rest of the world and then it would defeat the whole purpose of what bitcoin is supposed to be because because then countries like well we can't control it we can't contain it and so how do we do this and people don't understand exactly what bitcoin is supposed to do i mean even i I read something the other day about mark cuban getting into it with the um the the sec commissioner talking about um I, i don't know if that's his actual title but the leader of the sec and, and he like on Twitter talking about like, dude, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, that's yeah. not that's not what Bitcoin is. That's not the essence of Bitcoin. And so when you have government officials who don't know what Bitcoin is and, and how it how it should function and they try to put their hands in it to get to, to do what governments do, which is take from a lot of things, um, it, it, it turns into a disaster like most things that big government actually puts their hands on. And so if you have a small, mainly decentralized uh, country, I mean, they, every country is, is corrupt in their own right. And, and I get that, but, but it's, it's, it's a small country that's the size of, of Massachusetts. Sorry, I can cannot, I cannot pronounce that state at all.
1: Okay, I can't but, say Megalomania quickly. I learned that last week, sorry. That,
0: no, it's all good, you gotta slow it down. Massachusetts. See, I can't even say it when I slow it down. But MA, you know the 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 city, this the state that Boston's in. We all know that. Yeah. But it is very close in land size and population. So if it can work in a small country like that, talk about the ideas for more decentralization. Like that would be that is my dream right there. Like it's it it can happen on a small scale, and they have Bitcoin, and it's a legal form of tender. People can pay in Bitcoin. I know people who who just get paid in Bitcoin way back when, um, but now and now it looks like a great investment for them. Um, but if it's done on a country level, like just the things that can come from that, from the innovation and people willing to take time to actually do those things, it, the 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 where we can, where we go from here, nobody knows. But the limits can be endless for sure.
1: So, first of all, you said getting paid in Bitcoin. I, I will make this, I will make this promise now, partly because I don't think anyone who's at my school listens to this and I am prepared to eat crow if I'm wrong. So if if anyone in my student uh, union is hearing this right now, I will join the union if we make as a condition of a union contract that students get paid in 10% that students can opt into get getting paid in 10% Bitcoin. If that gets passed, if that gets on. The contract and that gets approved i'll join the damn grad student union okay um you heard it here and you hey. can play the tape <laughs> this is gonna bite me in the end
0: right exactly someone
1: will find this if i get bitcoin from it it's fine uh but the your point that you made about mark cuban having it out with the sec kind of uh, it, it validates a theory that i have which is that we hear about? I call them DeFi curious uh, central banks who are having these conversations with DeFi developers and are, are playing nice because this is this is how it happens, right? That uh, that bureau- bureaucracies and governments. Anytime they see a potential competitor, they'll do this weird splintering dance where they'll partly be like, "Hey, you're you're our friend, right? We want we want to make nice with you." It's it's a very Roman conquering strategy. Your gods are our gods. It's wonderful, and then there'll be another another sector of the government that will cast dispersions, and we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. But my theory has been going forward that defi curious central banks don't understand what decentralized finance is to the extent that they think they can centralize it mm-hmm. my imagine the, the when i imagine the kinds of conversations that go on between central bankers and 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 uh token developers and platform uh developers i always imagine it goes something like okay but um how do we centralize it okay okay okay, okay. but if we wanted to centralize it, how would that work? Okay, if I had a friend and my friend liked centralization, what would they do to make DeFi a little bit more C-Fi? Like maybe C-sharp, C-sharp-Fi, D-fat-fi, something like that. So, and it, it doesn't work. And I think this is what, it, that's this is what's, both promising about decentralized finance and a little bit disconcerting. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, again, this is, uh, as I at the, the point that I made about having a debt denominated international ecosystem, um, DeFi is a major threat to our current concept of the international and of sovereignty. And it doesn't have to be a negative threat, it can be entirely promising. But our concepts of the international, of capital, of sovereignty are going to change. And many of those changes can be traced directly to DeFi. Again, I would love to do a project on this because when I think about this, you know, you can have the same technology that you use to verify a non-fungible token used to verify citizenship. You can have something like DAOs. I'm going to call the new Taoism. You can have DAOs becoming the new states. You can have a new international network of, of all of these different uh, of, of these different DAOs working together and cooperating together. Everyone thinks that our current international system is just going to almost expand into this one amorphous mass of the global power. I see it going inward. I see us going from the nation state and the great power competition to a bunch of very, very, very small nodes of sovereignty. I feel like I've talked about this before, but it's very, uh, it, it seems very promising to me. And this is also why I feel like Bitcoin, and other decentralized financial assets should play well together because this relies on competition, right? Right. I love Bitcoin. I love Ethereum. I love, I have really high hopes for Polygon. I think it's figuring itself out right now and it's going through some growing pains and that's great. And, you know, all of these different currencies are part of innovation. Right. And again, the entire point of having decentralization is that you don't have one coin to rule them all.
0: Definitely. And and one of the one of the things that that I always get hit back on because I love when I when, when we talk about decentralization, I I'm, I'm like, yes, like it has to happen. This is like the more centralized you get, the more the, like at some point you're going to break down. And and it's one of those things of like that I, w- I always get the question of well, what does that look like, Maurice? When you decentralize, what does that look like? What does that look like? And I'm like, I don't know, because if I knew, then it's not decentralized. <laughs> like, like, like pe- people don't know how to process things that are that are so unknown. And and I think that's what that's what hurts hurts a lot of a, a lot of people like me when 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 I explain my philosophy, and they'll say, well, I don't see how that would work because of this, this, this. And and a lot of my, a lot of the responses are typically. Well, it'll work. We just don't know how it'll work. We yeah. just know it'll work, you know, and, and I had a conversation with like like that with 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 my with my brother, and my sister-in-law today, like like I'm talking about Kapstan and how I feel like it's going to work. And they're just like, and of course, you know, we get the Oh, well, if we don't have that, here comes China. And I'm just like, China is an entire large ocean away from us. Yeah. Well, well, they, they have us in the debt. Their debt is small compared to how much the US government has it owes to me, like nothing, you know. And, and so, and, and we were just discussing those things. And, and this is one of the ideas of decentralization that people talk about. You know, it's, it's this idea of we don't know how it's going to happen. Where it's going to come from, but it can happen. And when it happens, the the light will, the, the light flip will switch right there. And like, okay, that's a form that we can all get behind, and we can and, and, and we can move on. Um, I was I I am am a big firearms guy or whatnot. And another form of decentralization is is we um we were talking. about uh, Texas has a bill that's sitting on the governor's um, desk just for him to sign about suppressors. And suppressors are currently regulated by the National Firearms Act, and they're considered a firearm, and you have to pay the ATF $200, and then you have to wait a year to actually get one. This bill, this as soon as it becomes law, removes anything that's made in Texas that is made with Texas parts from that list. And so you don't have to pay the ATF $200. You go to the store, you buy an accessory, and they give it to you. You don't have to wait a whole year. You don't have to do all these things. And and because the government, because Texas has said, you know what, you can't regulate stuff that we do within our state because that's outside of your jurisdiction. And so that's how decentralization starts to work. You have little niches, little pockets of El Salvador saying, hey, Bitcoin is now a legal tender. Let's work. Let's talk about that. Texas saying, hey, you know what? You don't have to. But but get a tax stamp, two hundred dollar tax stamp for something for for a firearm accessory, like it's all these things, and I absolutely love it. Um, do I do I think that this is going to work its way out in a very perfect world and everything's going to be fine and dandy? No, I don't. That's not how things work in society. There we are human beings. We make errors. We make mistakes. But if El Salvador starts and then you start having smaller, you start having other. Lesser developed nations who have zero risk in the game and have all of their currency tied to the U.S. dollar, and they don't want it to be tied to U.S. dollar anymore. By all means, whatever you can do to grow your economy in your local area, I support that one hundred percent. Decentralization, all the way. DeFi, DeFi, DeFi. That's my new. Mo- that's my new motto. DeFi everything in this place.
1: It would be defiant. That's that's what it, yeah. <laughs> I and you know I I am I would love to debate you at at one point about China because I think that this the the decentralized international ecosystem does happen in stages and I think that I mean, I, I've admitted to being more of a neocon than a lot of, a lot of hardcore libertarians are comfortable with. Um, and, and I do think that we need to tread carefully as this occurs. And it's part of the reason that I would love to see our central banks get behind DeFi mm-hmm. in a genuine, authentic way. Because if we can move out of a debt-based s- system, then we're no longer tethered to Chinese power and, sure. and, and find a stranglehold, which and they're doing and the Chinese government is doing some really atrocious things. Um, there's there's no question about that. And I, I'm concerned about that. And I think part of the way that we can extricate ourselves from situations that don't serve us and don't serve the Chinese people would be to extricate ourselves from a debt based financial system. Um the other thing, too, is that it's it's interesting that when we see simultaneously, right, as as this is going on, El Salvador is not just implementing Bitcoin, by the way, so quickly, I don't know how they run their government down. It was like, they announced it at the Bitcoin conference, then all of a sudden, they're like, okay, we're gonna, we got a bill. Okay, well, that's going to take a while, because you're going to have to go back and forth and debate, and then you're going to have the different factions going, no, no, no we passed it. It's good.
0: Okay, I think it was a matter of what it was like. It was literally like a week. It
1: was like I sneezed and all of a sudden, like, buy ice cream with Bitcoin. I was really what? All of yeah. a sudden, I buy a Tesla with Bitcoin in El Salvador, which exactly. now, not, I want to do that now. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I, I guess they don't know how things are supposed to be done in America. Like, right. like no. hey, you know, it's a long process. Uh, This, this should take you eight months. To figure out and to and, come to an agreement.
1: And it's not real until you say, until you make the case that Bitcoin is white supremacist. That's right. when I know we have ba- mainstream adoption, is when I start hearing about DeFi being racist. That's when I'll know this is really catching on. But at the same time, we're also hearing, really precisely the same time, um, Elizabeth Warren comes out. And it's interesting that it's Elizabeth Warren. In particular, Elizabeth Warren comes out and as, as El Salvador is literally mining Bitcoin using geothermal energy, using heat from volcanoes, <laughs> I don't know how much more of a sustainable resource you can get, speaking of the free market begetting in innovation, Elizabeth Warren goes on to the Twitter machine and she starts talking about how Bitcoin is the devil and is going to kill the environment. Uh, no one told volcanoes this evidently but it's interesting that she is the one casting aspersions on bitcoin seeing as she is also fun fact the creator of something called the consumer financial protection bureau this is her brainchild uh and this was created and funded by the very and very unconstitutional processes of mon- monetary mismanagement and currency debasement that Bitcoin was created to render obsolete and in fact impossible, all right? The CFPB was created and funded off book. And that is, that is, an, that is an unconstitutional way of going about doing things. In its inception, the CFPB was paid for using all of this extra dough that our central bank had on its balance sheet since engaging in two separate processes known as quantitative easing or large-scale asset purchases. I know you're falling asleep. it's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to stop soon. Um, as well as uh, paying interest on excess reserves, so they're able to keep the economy from getting artificial, they're able to artificially keep the economy from getting overinflated by paying banks to hold excess reserves now. And so, and they're doing all of this by using money that's pouring into them from assets that they've bought from the market. So if you can imagine a surge protector and then the cord of that surge protector plugged into the outlet of the surge protector, you're getting the right idea.
0: That's exactly and what it does.
1: How the CFPB was born, and this is exactly the type of thing that Bitcoin is engineered to render obsolete. If you like more, if you'd like to know more about this and get more in the weeds, I cannot recommend highly enough, and we will link to this in the show notes, a video on YouTube called "Introduction to the Exponential Age." It is a primer um, by this fantastic guy named Raul Pal. Um, R-A-O-U-L, P-A-L, and he's, he's fantastic. He talks about how after 2008, the value of the dollar and just about all fiat stayed the same. Money printing went up and asset prices went up in terms of fiat value at the same rate as money printing. That's the kind of thing that you can only do with some weird financial and monetary wizardry that amounts to currency debasement. So again, it's exciting but it's scary to the powers that be. So I don't know what happens next, but I'm excited for rules without rulers eventually.
0: For sure. But you best believe, I guarantee there's gonna be some sort of regulation coming in because anything that tries to help the, the, the lower economic people, I guarantee you the government always tries to step in and says, no, we don't wanna hurt you. We don't want you guys investing in this stuff because you could lose all your money. So yeah. we're doing this to protect you. Yeah, like this is for your own good. Like a lot of things that were supposed to be for our own good, um, that that um, have 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 kind of we, we've kind of turned turned our nose um, to here recently. But I just we'll we'll, we'll we'll talk about that later in the show. But it's 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 crazy. I'm just, you know I, I I imagine if Elizabeth Warren and anytime anytime she talks about anything that that deals with any form of like like value currency trading anything of that nature I already know I'm going to hate it like yeah. I already know it's going to be a bad idea because she's she's all she's up she's opposed to free markets she's opposed to people gaining wealth off of certain aspects of certain ass, assets because not everybody has not everybody ha- has access to it that's her claim which is 100% false everybody has claim to robin hood like every everybody can you could you can trade stocks on Cash App. Like everybody uses Cash App to trade money back and forth. If I can give my sister twenty dollars, I can put twenty dollars in Cash App in a stock. Like, like th- this idea that we need to protect people from them from themselves is is moronic. And Elizabeth Warren is one of the biggest perpetrators of that. Her and all her other little senator friends, most of them who I cannot stand, um, I like maybe one two of them but the other 98 can in my opinion can go kick rocks and let's not even talk about the house or whatnot but but i but i mean you you'll see this from her i guarantee you you'll see something like come out from from bernie sanders um especially with him being on the um the the it's like the what he's on like some like finance
1: on finance
0: yeah like he's on like a finance committee yeah he is like i mean it's 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 just it's It's all kinds of all all kinds of bad news when when we get information from these people who have never truly worked a day in their life about finances like that. That to me, just people who cannot balance a budget of the United States telling me how I should spend my finances is always an issue with me. And I just like I I don't get that. I don't get that. Makes no sense to me. You can't even balance your you can't even balance your own checkbook, but you're telling me how I should how I. What I can and can't do with money traded in stocks, like, mm, sorry, that's that, that's a little that's a little uh, side tangent about that, but about Elizabeth Warren and just the irony of her being able coming out and saying, "Oh, we got to do this, more regulation, more regulation." But go figure. No, Anything it, else about El Salvador?
1: I I don't have much. I mean, I I could talk about uh, you know my the, the various possibilities of yes versus versus DeFi all day, uh, but you you reminded me when you were talking about various uh, various brokers of the public well uh, breaking the public well um, about my one of my favorite people in politics who I very lovingly call Gavin with the good hair. This is, <laughs> this hair is so good. It's it's so good. It's better um, than Rick
0: Perry's. It Man. is.
1: I, I was, I, was, I was telling Maurice before the show I was ref- we were talking about Governor Goodhair and, and he let me know that Rick Perry is also known as Governor Goodhair, which kind of makes it better. <laughs> I like knowing that Rick Perry and Gavin Newsom have this in common. They're exactly. both Governor Goodhair. Um, so Gavin with the Good hair, um, at this at, at the time of this recording, uh, Gavin with the Good hair is refusing, to listen to the science and indeed has decided to keep uh, the outdoor and indoor mask mandates in effect. Now, up until I think a few days ago, he was teasing doing so indefinitely. The rationale for which uh, was that and, and the man speaks in platitudes, by the way. I love it. He speaks entirely in cliches, and it gives me so much joy. If I, I would love to run against him just to be able to debate him on the stage and like institute a drinking game with the audience. From like every time he uses a cliche, ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna drink, and we'll just see how long it takes before the camera starts panning out every time he uses a cliche, and I'm just sipping. Anyway, I that's that's my one dream for politics, at any rate. <laughs> Um, he used this cliche as the only thing I can be certain of is this, there is uncertainty in our future. And I'm like, bruh, has the hair gel gone to your brain? Because that is honestly you with that rationale, you could keep anyone from doing anything at any time. And this is more insidious than it it seems at first blush because there is now a sizable contingent of people in, in this country that see uncertainty as a reason to avoid action. And that's not the theory on which any type of innovation can possibly be predicated. California, by the way, finally, has the lowest case rate in the country. 71% of the adult population is vaccinated. And Gavin with the good hair has continued to hold a statewide mask mandate, including outdoors and refuses to allow schools and businesses to operate at capacity. Why is this important? Because it's not important for people like him. It's not important for people who can work from home. It's not important for people who have an entourage and have people who can gel their hair and have, I can't get over the hair, and (laughs) have people who can who can let them lead their lives, who, who can put their children, by the way, in private school and go to, go to in-person schooling as his children do and as he has lied about on television saying, oh, I've been dealing with Zoom schooling for a year, sweetheart. No, you haven't, okay? We've seen you dropping your kids off at, at their school. And good for them. And all kids should be able to go to in-person schools if that is the best setup for them. The reason this matters is that it matters to people in this country who don't have the resources that people in power have. And so it, now he's moving toward, no, 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 we're, we're, go- we're going to reopen on June 15th. The fact is, we should have been reopened ages and ages and ages ago. We've been below a pandemic threshold for about a year now, if you want to actually look at the charts. And people will not, most people don't even know that.
0: Have no most- idea.
1: That, that as, as a pandemic is defined, we have not had it. We've not been in a pandemic for about a year now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. People have no idea whatsoever. And when I tell them that, they're like, what are you talking about? And like, well, I heard this on so-and-so. And then, of course, they'll say, well, you must watch Fox News. And I tell them, no, I don't. And like, I just know the levels of pandemic. And and we ha- we literally, like, even when we've had these spikes with in July, when we had all the spikes and so forth, we haven't. How do you think Florida's been open since last, Florida's been open for over a year. Like people people fail to realize that. Like be, and th- th- they think like, oh, well, um, because now we're starting to have sporting events and stuff in Florida, like, okay. Like, no, Florida has been living their own life yeah. since last April.
1: Yeah, this, all, all, all of these conferences, like Florida's economy. I don't know how Florida's economy is doing, but it must be booming. Like, it's gotta
0: to be booming.
1: Tourism's great. Uh, you know, the, the Bitcoin conference, for instance, was in Florida. Wasn't the uh, Libertarian Party um, meeting in Florida yes. last year? Yeah. Um, after the one that was on Zoom, that was, oh, that was an adventure. The of the Yeah, it's great. It's had fun. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Florida's been doing fantastically. And that's why we don't hear about them anymore, because we heard about them when when it seemed like we could make it look like they weren't doing well, but now they're doing wonderfully. Right. Um, yeah, it, it was interesting to see that uh, Governor Goodhair announced that, uh, or, or kind of teased the possibility of continuing with the uh, mask mandates and the occupancy restrictions post June 15th. He dropped that little noticia bomba on a Friday. Um, always pay attention. This is important. Oh, I learned this in PR land. I used to work there. It's a wonderful place. Um <laughs> With lots of op-eds and me crying softly. Um, Always pay attention to stories that are dropped on a Friday. This is a classic damage control tactic. If you don't want anyone to know that something is happening, release it and leak it on a Friday. Because people pay less attention over the weekend. Um, There's less coverage over the weekend in general. uh, And... That's when you see more of the damaging news come out. And then if there is coverage, it's for the first couple days. And then by Monday, something else happens. And you also get the the effect of people wanting to drop positive stories on Monday. And those positive stories flood out a lot of the negative stories on Fridays. This is a really awesome media critique and uh, consumption tip. Pay attention to the Friday stories.
0: Oh, I, it's, it's, it's nice to know. I mean, one, you have a PR background and you, and, and you know all that. Like, OK, cool. I, I, I mean, I, I pay attention to things going into the weekend and going because I, I read stuff on the weekends as well, too. So I've never but I've never pieced that together of most of the the um, the things that people want hidden come out on Fridays because nobody pays attention on the weekend and par- partly because I'm in my own little world and I, I operate very differently um, but, and um, I mean, and it's so hard to, uh, when you're, when you talk about like mask mandates and full capacity and so forth, it's so hard for me to understand that. And, and I, I'm, I'm not making fun of, of you living in the people's Republic of California oh, or whatnot, but like, I haven't, the, the idea of me going into a store and having to wear a mask, like is it's so, it's so weird to me, probably because we haven't, I mean, we, we've had mask mandates. Our mask mandate was like lifted back in March, but in, in all, honestly, where I live, I have not worn a mask inside a building and probably going on a year, like unless it's a federal building, because I had to do my registration or I got to go pay a ticket or something like that. And be like, Hey, you got to put a mask on. I'm like, all right, cool. Because you guys have guns and you're going to arrest me if I don't like, like, outside of that, like, I don't wear, I wear a mask at work. That's because my employer says, hey, wear a mask. So I'm like, all right, I wear a mask. Cause, cause you, cause you, you give me money every, every, the first and the 15th. So I, I'll listen to what you say, but I, it, it's so hard for me to like, truly be like, go somewhere and just see people with mask or what, I mean, I see one or two people, but to, to, for outdoor dining and, and whatnot, like still in a mask, like that's, that is a new world. Like that that is completely, that, that, that's so crazy to me.
1: I it's about, I will say in in Los Angeles. And so I'm sure it's different in other parts of California Mm. in Los Angeles. It's it's about 50% of people are wearing masks outside. Some people run and wear masks outside and like, bro, that's dangerous. That's, that's not like, it's not okay. It's really not okay. Please stop. Um, and again, like that's part of why I have a treadmill in my apartment is because I don't want to have to go to the gym and put on a mask because that is dangerous, okay? That's much more dangerous than breathing in air. COVID. Um, the And so it's about 50% outside. Um, indoors, of course, it's still mandatory. But I've, and I'm aware that after the 15th, which it looks like this is going to be lifted on the 15th. Um, I'm sure there will still be people who, as a force of habit, still have them on. And I'm sure there'll be people who are like, oh, no, I'm protecting society by still having it on. Um, Californians (laughs) who are listening to this, if not now, when? Okay. So it's going to feel uncomfortable if you might get some dirty looks. Um, And I will be getting those dirty looks with you. I will feel a little bit awkward with you. Ju- if not now then there's no there's no reason for you to keep doing this if you believe you shouldn't have to right so burn your masks i i have i'm down to white my one last disposable surgical mask is perfectly timed i'm a burn it yes. way to
0: go where to go and and uh, as i was reading up on this whole gavin newton gavin gavin with the good hair governor good hair right. um as i was reading on it it was it was it's it's ironic how, when you give people emergency powers, they never want to relinquish that power. Like it's it's always the you know going back to your um, uncertainty type thing. It's hey you know and 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 I get the idea of why legislators give these um, give give these these powers to governors during you know state of emergencies because. From, from a rationale standpoint, it takes time for us to get together and for us to pass a law, which I don't mind at all. The long process that it takes to pass a law, I absolutely love, because we already have too many and we don't need a whole lot more. Um, but knowing and understanding that process, I can see why legislators say, hey, in cases of emergency, governors have the powers to do this and this and this. Now, as, as we've heard with... Um, we call her Governor Karen, but Governor Whitmer out there in Michigan, um, she said it point blank last year, like how she was not going to relinquish her power. Like, why would she do that? That makes no sense. And I don't blame her. You know, And as human beings, when we get into a position of power and someone wants to take that power away, we feel threatened. We don't say, oh, sure, you can have some more of my power and give me less responsibility. Like you only do that at work. And when you do that at work, if they take away responsibility and they take away some of your pay, you get upset. So like it's like that that's the process that that people are thinking of. And so I get why the legislators can say all those things. However, that being said, this just proves the point on why you don't give these people this power, because they never want to get it. And then you can threaten with, oh, well, if the if, if we see an increase in these things, We're going to have to take this away and you don't need to call uh, you don't need to call any type of order but with the house or your senate your your state legislator, you don't have to do any of that the governor can just come in and say by governor decree we're going to do this stuff again and then we're back at square one and so it's one of the it's, it's the idea of of do you like do you truly want to to be able to make your own decisions which is what you're doing right now if you want to go out and wear a mask wear a mask do I think that you're stupid? Probably. But you can you can wear a mask. I mean, if 71% of California is vaccinated, if California adults are vaccinated, one, it just proves the point. Everybody who wants to take the vaccine can take the vaccine. Now we're starting to see some side effects of this vaccine or not. But, but, but that's, that, that, that's different. I, I get that. If you wanted to take it, you wanted to take it. It was back to normal. Everybody wanted to get back to normal. That's fine. Okay, cool. But nonetheless, the people who want to assume the risk of COVID are still going to assume that risk. If yeah. 29% of your population, that's past herd immunity. Let's be real. That's way past herd immunity. As yeah. we talk about, it, you're not going to like, it, it's just one of those things of like, if, if you're vaccinated, why are you scared? Why, because that's the whole point of the vaccine. Now, I know there are some cases of people who've been vaccinated and have still caught the COVID. And I, and that is that is what it is. I assume that's probably going to happen with every single vaccine that happens out there. People yeah. get the flu vaccine and they still catch the flu. It's a I different much, strand. Like, I get it 100%. So I'm not knocking people getting the vaccine. If you want to get it, you can get it. I'm not. And I, I physically, it's not smart for me to do so because I've already had it. So since I've had it, there's no point to reintroduce the <laughs> the the virus to my body. It's going to make things weird. But like people are going, people want to assume a risk. Let them do so. We're not living in bubbles. Like, and I'm not, I, and I don't like using the word my freedoms, my rights, my liberties, like c- because I get the connotations on yeah. that. But I'm, and I, and I'm a very risky person. I like skydiving. Like I like doing those crazy things. Other people's aren't. The people who don't like doing those things will probably go get vaccinated, so they don't have to worry about me. And I, the person who's very risky, will probably not go get vaccinated. So I'm the one who has to worry. I'm the one accepting the risk. Why are you trying to make decisions for people when they when they've already made the decision for themselves? I just I, like I don't get it. I just don't.
1: You're you made an amazing point. So you said you like skydiving, right? And skydiving is legal, is it not? It is legal. Okay. So skydiving's legal and you go skydiving, but it's not mandatory for anyone to go skydiving, right? People who don't wanna go skydiving don't have to go skydiving, right? There's not like a yearly skydiving quota that everyone has to, right?
0: Nope, at least not to my knowledge.
1: So if you eliminate a mask mandate, that does not mean it's illegal for you to then wear a mask. If you feel more comfortable wearing a mask, please wear a mask, please do. Please do what makes you comfortable, make your own safe space and please. And it's worth noting that there are risks that come with vaccines. There are risks. I know we just got on Apple podcast, now so they're going to take us off for saying that. <laughs> But for any vaccine, there are risks that come with any medical treatment. There are risks that come with not receiving the medical treatment. Some people have higher risks in one area than they do in another. And for others, it's reversed. You do your own research. Do it on DuckDuckGo, not Google. Because... Exactly. But yeah, you and you made a couple other very interesting points in the show notes. I want to make sure you have a chance to get to that on this.
0: Oh, yeah. So um, we, uh, we, uh, my, my first question was, is there a vaccine shortage in California? Like, are people not able to be vaccinated? No. Like if, because if that's the case, then okay, I could see that. You know, there's at least some sort of logic behind that. I'm not saying that I agree with it because I think it's, I I think the premise of the whole thing is built on a lie, but I could see where people could could get to that logically. And and from from rational thoughts at Mm -hmm. some point in time, not from the very beginning, but at some point in time, that rational thought. But then there was also a note that i i I read an article and that the cdc everybody's now i apple podcast spotify wherever you listen to this i want you guys to know that this is the cdc this is not this is not some crazy um right-wing propaganda or whatnot that you guys just love to to just to 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 to, what's the word censor or whatever you want i using that word too i feel like that word has lost a whole lot of meaning too i don't like that word um, but the CDC literally says heart disease and diabetes deaths climbed amid the COVID. So over the past year, over the the, the COVID shut caused more deaths with heart with, with 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 heart disease and diabetes. Now who could have guessed that? Who on this planet Earth could have guessed that? It no. could been the people who've been talking about, you know, the Johnny Anita's of the world from Stanford, who's an epidemiologist, who, who trust the experts, who is an expert in this. And has said this from the very beginning, that if we continue to do the things that we're doing, we will have unintended consequences. And you want to know what those unintended consequences were? More deaths and preventable, preventable diseases.
1: Things... And again, go ahead. This is a correlation. It's, it's, but it is a correlation that it, there's, there's reason to connect some dots. Okay. There is a, there is a correlation here.
0: Yes. Now this says that, so here are some numbers. If you don't believe me, um, here are some numbers that they're saying, they're saying some of the increases of, of the deaths were relatively small, but some were more dramatic. The heart disease death rates. Um, which has been falling over the long term. This is and this is NBC. This again, this is no right wing article. This is this is NBC, which is just fairly, fairly on the on, on, on the liberal side, mm-hmm. um, which which okay, whatever side you follow, I don't care, um, which has been falling over the long term. Rose to 167 deaths per 1,000, which is probably some of the best ways to view things with per capita, per one per 100,000. I'm sorry, I said per 1,000 per 100,000, um, which is the best way to view it because of how it breaks down population and statistics. I'm not getting into all that, but when you look at stats, anything that's per 100,000, that's probably the best rates that you can get um, as far as the, the that that's the closest to accuracy in those things. Um, the, uh, that per 100,000 deaths per p- uh, population from 161.5 the year before, so that's up nearly three percent over the previous year, um, and it, it surpassed the it says surpassed the less than one percent increase seen in 2015. Then, so it says raw and raw numbers there were about 32,000 more heart disease deaths this year than last year, like. 32,000 deaths. I get people say we have close to 600,000 deaths in COVID. So, uh, you know, what? but that's more, that's not just 32,000 deaths. That's more than the previous year. It's a huge increase. Then diabetes. I got the diabetes. No, this is not a joking matter. If you have diabetes, I'm so sorry. So sorry. They're about to cancel me for that. But the diabetes death rose to 20, 24.6 per 100,000 from last year, which was 21.6. So that is that that's nearly 14% increase which is 13,000 more diabe- more deaths from diabetes than in 2019 so when you break things break these things down that's why when 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 we people whether you're on the right or on the left or you're in the middle you're a libertarian or whatever the case may be when we say there are unintended consequences because economics that's how it works for when you lock people in their home Now you have made such a big deal about COVID people now don't want to go to the doctor. So when they're sick for something else, they say, I don't want to go to the hospital. I don't want to go to the doctor because I may now catch this virus, you know, and now you can't catch early onset things because you're not going to your routine. You're not going to your doctor as often as you should. You're not being able to, you know, six months is a huge time for you to catch cancer early. If you catch it, if you catch it and you miss it in six months, man, like your chances of survival have exponentially decreased in six months. Of course, depending on the stages and so forth. But understanding that when you catch these things early, that makes a difference. And when people don't seek treatment and you lock them in their houses and you tell them that we can't do things because we're uncertain of the future and there's this whole level of certainty, like that's of uncertainty, I'm sorry. When you have all these things, that that has a lasting impact on the economy. And this is things these are these are issues that we're going to have not just for the next year, not for two years. We're talking 5, 10, 15 years down the road is when we'll see a lot more of these things come to fruition. Um and it's 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 sad to say and these are not issues in, in which I I want to say like look, like people have been shouting this from the rooftops for the past year, but they have And nobody listens, and people says they're you guys are right wing conspiracy theorists. Like you guys don't understand. If it saves one life, if it saves one life, well, the death rate in in a lot of in a in our major killers in America rose tremendously over the past year, and that's not something to gawk at at all. Not not in the least bit.
1: You also made the point. You you wrote. I'm curious what you meant by it. You if we really cared about people of color, we would handle things differently. Oh yes. Okay, what did that what did yes.
0: you Yes. So so in in the black community, heart disease is a big issue. It is, it is, because of the foods that we eat in our culture, everything's fried. We got our soul food, like, and it's good. Don't get me wrong. I love it. I absolutely love it. When I go home and I get my collard greens and and you got the greens in there with the ham hock. And so you got bacon up in there or whatnot. And it's just, it's, but the food that we eat literally is, is if, if you eat anything too much, it's unhealthy for you. But people would say, that according to the science, it's not healthy for you. So with that being said, if you literally cared about black people as, as as people on the left say they do and they, they care about people of color, you would say, you know what? We have to open up gyms because people need to be healthy. People need to work out. You would say, be, be, because again, heart disease is a big killer in black community. Di- diabetes is a big issue in the black community. Um, you would say, hey, you know what? Let's react in a different way if we, if we truly want to protect them. Because that. We know what COVID, what who COVID attacks. We know these things. Like it's not anything that's new. We know and we understand that. And so, if what is killing the black community outs, I mean, and I don't use the whole black on black crime because that that's oh that that drives me up the It's one of the reasons why I can't stand conservatives when they talk about well black on black crime. Like everybody kills each other in proximity to where they live. So that's get out of here with with, with that argument. But we're talking about you know obesity. Um, diabetes, like unhealthy lifestyles, all of these things. If these things are major killers in a black community, then we want to address that. And if we truly wanted to address that, we would not have we, we would have not have reacted to COVID the way that we did because of of how. I mean, even in cancer, um, oh man, I, I don't know, like off the top of my head, but like there's I want to say it's colon cancer is is a is a huge proponent of killers in, in black men. It is huge and so understanding that and knowing that then then we want to make sure that we catch those things early stop telling people to go to the doctor Stop making these things a big issue where it scares them to go to hospitals and to go to their doctor, their primary care physician. Like you're not around a whole lot of people, but you're but we're still scaring them to say, hey, only seek medical attention if you feel in these symptoms. They think that flies for everything else. And so they don't go to routine checkups. They don't catch everything as early as they do. And then it negatively impacts that community. And if they truly cared, they would go about this a completely different way.
1: No, agreed, agreed. And, and when you talk about the long-term effects, I think you're right. I, I worry about, uh, especially, let's fast forward 15 years or so. I worry about seeing a huge achievement gap between the children of, and again, not to vilify children at all, is they're not part of this, but the children who were able to attend private school during this time and charter schools and had education choice, uh, and and were able to continue attending schools and get an actual in-person physical education um, and not what's called Zoom in a room, which is basically like some, some temp that's, that's, you know, getting paid not enough to just sit and babysit people while they look at screens. You're going to see a, an achievement gap between the children who are able to attend school and children who were not, and children who really, you know, were only even able to log in to lessons at certain times of day because their parents were the one with the phone, and they came back at 5 a.m. from the night shift, and so they watched their, this New York Times did a story on this, it's heart-wrenching. You know, you watch you watch the, the lesson for half an hour or so, you're going to see an achievement gap between the kids who could go to school and the kids who couldn't, and who lost a year or more of education. Um, And my fear is that that is going to exacerbate class tensions. And instead of of highlighting something, just a real ineptitude in policy um, and execution, what it will do is it will then vilify today's kids' on 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 either end right so one it one one group of kids is going to be you know oh you you horrible overprivileged people and then the other group is gonna be oh you lazy you just don't work hard enough you just didn't listen to your teachers in school that's what i what i'm worried about too so mark this you know (laughs) that this this was a failure in policy and and this was not uh this was not the product of of privilege and a need for greater for greater equity, which just means everyone should be as disadvantaged as the least advantaged person.
0: Definitely could not have said that better myself. Great way, great way to wrap up the show. It really is. I mean, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Like, like I want 100% agree with that because I guarantee if I add anything to it, I'll probably butcher it and make it sound far worse. Um, so like, again, the one who knows just about the, everything there is to know about everything. So, um, and and I know I'm stealing that that nickname from somebody else, but he can share that nickname with you 100%. So, um, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, Like I said, we are now officially on Apple Podcasts. So, I want you to smash, slap, uh, hit that subscribe button, subscribe to the podcast download it that way every single week we're in your ears discussing things um things we agree on um sometimes things we disagree on um all civilly I, i know i get excited and upset and heated about things but it is all done in love it is all done with passion um it is done because i truly care about things that affect our lives and things that affect my communities. Um, and and, in the communities uh, surrounding me so everything down to the individual i care about everybody who listens to the podcast and who doesn't share this show um please leave us a rating and review again on apple podcast we're finally there um five stars anything everything everything five stars 100 percent. say hey i like maurice i like amanda they are great five stars each and every time let us know um Feel free in the reviews, let us know what we can improve on, how we can better the show for you guys, Um, because that is what we're trying to do. We're trying to better society. We're trying to better um, our arguments. We're trying to understand and rationalize our thought processes as we move forward in society, whether it's through legal tender and Bitcoin, um, whether it's through how policies are created and generated and how they affect our lives, or whether it's just bettering yourself as far as controlling the source of your income. whatever the case may be, that's what we're here for. That's what we want to do. But until then, again, we'll see you guys next time. Listen to us. We love you guys. Till then. Peace.